In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God. Amen. Amen. Christ is in our midst. Thank you, and a joyous feast to everyone. A beautiful, joyous feast of Holy Pentecost. Last night at Vespers, we heard the following prophecies. First from Joel, It shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. For upon my servants and upon my handmaids, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show dread marvels in the heavens above and signs upon the earth below, blood and fire, vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We also heard from the prophecy of Ezekiel, I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will give you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh. I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. You shall keep my judgments and do them. And you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. And you shall be my people. And I will be your God. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? That's what I want. (laughs) I hope you do too. Last night we heard these prophecies. And today these prophecies are fulfilled. How are they fulfilled? That which was anticipated by these holy prophets has come to pass on this beautiful day of Pentecost. Our beautiful Savior left, but He left us not without comfort. In fact, He left in order so that something greater could happen within us. That's what we celebrate on this beautiful day. But the faithful faithful disciples, once again, were sitting. They were waiting likely still a bit fearful, but comforted by the thought of this other comforter that Jesus had promised to them, even on the day of the Holy Ascension, having said to them, ye shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And they were given the reassurance of the angels as well who said, Man of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So they were given a bit of consolation, but they were as of yet uncertain about what would happen. Wait. (laughs) I call it the privilege of, I try to convince myself, call it the privilege of waiting on God. The privilege, God, I trust you, I believe in you. What are you going to do? And they were given that privilege. A kind of tension they were living in, in anticipation of what was to come. And at least least when Jesus was present, they could see him. But now he's gone. So they, you know, they stood alongside him, often perplexed by what he was doing or unsure of what he was about to do. But at least he was there. But having fulfilled his own purpose on earth, there was more to be accomplished. 
the fulfillment of his salvific work, the deification of humanity in himself as took place when he ascended into heaven. But also the deification of men, women and children by the bestowal of the Holy Spirit. Last week I said that on the Feast of Ascension, the dispensation of salvation was completed. That Christ had completed his work on earth, that's true. But the fulfillment of it had yet to take place. And the fulfillment of it is what happens today, on the day of Pentecost. The very breath of God which mankind had received and rejected is now restored to a desperate creation, longing for its return from death and confusion. This is all restored on this day by the bestowal of the Holy Spirit. It's like uh, when we sin, we, we exhaled and never, never breathed in again. You know, we became spiritually dead until this moment when the breath of life was given to us once again. Breathe deeply, breathe deeply and receive the grace of the Holy Spirit. The law of God, the way of life in him, the, rea- the reality of our identity, no longer something external. No longer a a moral cause or purpose, but something written upon the hearts of men on this day and continues even now. Not just something that happened then, something that happens now. All who would receive the grace of the Holy Spirit may now become as, to steal the words of St. Paul, as living letters, living epistles, dynamic witnesses to the life-giving and life-creating one. I see this as akin to the writing of the Holy Scriptures. Those holy authors of the sacred texts were writing on paper. But did they cease to use their minds when they were writing? Did they close their eyes? Guide my hand, O Lord. That's not quite how it happened. Did they even need to use their minds at all? Of course, they used all of their faculties in composing the Holy Scriptures. They were not possessed somehow or completely overcome, but inspired, utilizing the abilities that God had given them and thus being written upon the tablets of our hearts, just like them, joining ourselves with God, we become members of this Life in the new covenant, we become members of those on whose hearts the tablets of this this third testament is being written. The inscriptions are on the living pages of our lives, ourselves constantly being read by those around us. All who read have the potential to be inspired if they want to. In reality, having the inscription written upon my heart upon the entirety of my being, is not even about being inspired myself. But of course, we laud the inspired authors of the Holy Scriptures. But not as if we can become holy merely by association. I have to remind myself, and we need to remind ourselves of this often, we're not just holy by association. Being in the church, saying I'm Orthodox, you know, is not enough. 
It's not like I became Orthodox and all I got with this lousy t-shirt that says Orthodox on it. No, we want it to be inscribed upon our hearts. The reality of who we are, and that means joining ourselves with God. I've been exploring this idea of cooperation with God or synergy for quite some time. And that's what we're talking about again. And that's what we're always talking about when we're talking about holiness, our life in Christ. The purpose of holiness is not just the acquisition of holiness, just like conversion is not just like getting the t-shirt that says so. Just like the purpose of writing an inspired text is not found in the completion of the composition. The text has no value in and of itself, but in what it conveys to those who receive what it's conveying. How can we be authors of an inspired composition? How can we be authors of an inspired composition? First, really basically, we need to seek to be inspired. We need to seek to be animated by the grace of the Holy Spirit. You actually have to tell yourself aloud over and over again, I desire to be inspired by the grace of the Holy Spirit and constantly invite God to come into your life over and over again. It's not just going to happen to you, but it will only happen with you. We're so passively receptive to whatever is being spoken to us, whatever is delivered to the conscience by way of our senses. And we're formed by way of what's inscribed upon us through our senses. So in order ourselves to become authors of an inspired composition, then also, and to be inspired, To be an inspired composition, we must therefore become also active listeners. We have to try to appropriate the use of our senses in accordance with their God-given ability. Ears to hear the proclamation of the words of God. Eyes to see the beauty of His creation. Taste to taste and see that the Lord is good. Smell to smell the savor of the Prayers of the saints arising with the incense. Touching, touching one another. Placing our lips upon the icons as we venerate them. Am I missing one? You get the point. Using all that we are, every ability ability that we have to do the will of God. Speaking to proclaim the good works of God. And also to repent of our sins, to ask for forgiveness all the time. The Lord spoke these fierce words. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Listen. What is it that you've heard today? Were you listening? I guarantee that you've already had the opportunity to be inspired even today. I love this teaching. I heard someone say, if we were really aware, if we were really paying attention, we would see flames coming out of the mouth of the person proclaiming the gospel. The life of God being conveyed to us. When we're inspired, our hearing translates into doing, or better, being. 
Something beautiful takes place in our life. Synergy between the free human person and the wise God. And the greater things that Christ promised that would happen come to be accomplished on the earth. God is always at work. He's everywhere present. Filling all things, the energy of God's love has lit the world on fire. Let us be blind to it no longer. Yet not every composition is written perfectly in its first draft. (laughs) That's okay. Every writer knows the value of the eraser and the scribble and the backspace and the whiteout. Some sentences, some paragraphs are seemingly perfect, but usually few, requiring no revision. But some require complete overhaul, rewrite, and revision several times over. You catch in the metaphor a little bit? Sometimes, despite our pride, some, despite our pride, have to be completely removed. Some of the things we've written have to just be completely removed despite our pride and despite how many times we've tried to revise. I venture to say that rewrites and revisions can bring us to the point of finally realizing that we need to be so bold as to remove certain things altogether so that our lives might be truly inspired compositions. This is true of the compositions being written in our lives by our speech, by our action, by our influence. Sometimes behaviors, words, and patterns in our lives that we become so accustomed to, they just, you got to hit it with the whiteout. (laughs) Strike through. If not significantly altered and revised. These things have to be done in order for for our composition to be truly inspired. What I'm trying to tell you is it doesn't just happen instantaneously, like you've just arrived. If you know anything about Orthodox Christianity, you know that it's not about having arrived or attained to a certain status, but it's about entering into an endless journey with God and with one another. There will be no end to our growth in union with the uncreated one. We will never be bored on this journey, but we have to be willing to change and make those alterations as small and humble as they may be or as great and frustrating as they may be at times. The Holy Spirit inspires us not only in composition, but in revision as well. The Lord said, speaking of the coming of this other comforter, the Holy Spirit, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin. Not a very friendly thing to do. It seems to convict of sin unless conviction is under revision. If that conviction is unto revision and not just shaming, and that is not the purpose of the lover of mankind in our life, to make us feel bad about ourselves. And you know what? Neither is it the work of us one to another 
It's not my job to make you feel bad. Or your job to make me feel bad, to prove my wrongs to me. It's our job, job to seek to be inspired by the grace of the Holy Spirit. Then we might be able to speak the truth in love. But not with boldness and not with pride to one another. The purpose of revealing sin is that it might be exposed as foreign to us. Foreign to the human heart. Just like in a poorly written paragraph when revealed, the lies, imprecisions, and imperfections in the heart can be rewritten. They can be revised and removed. The goal of conviction is not condemnation. The Holy Spirit does not convict in order to condemn. The goal of conviction is the revelation of truth. Illumination of one's path. Inspiration of one's speech and life. The more we become sensitive to what's worthy of revision, the more sensitive we become to the manner of composition, the more tactful and intentional with the articulations of our being, we become intensely focused listeners. We learn that we don't write so that we can revise. In other words, we don't do something and then ask for forgiveness rather than permission. It's a very sinful way of living. Well, ask for forgiveness rather than permission. Don't do that. The discerning mind would not say that. The humble one would not. So we need to guard ourselves against that mentality, that prideful, subtle prideful boldness. But we learn to ride with a kind of restraint. Our goal is discernment. Because this often proves to be the manner which brings about the most Selfless creativity. As we become living epistles, as we become living letters to the world, for the world to, to read, so to speak, God continues to make His inscription upon our hearts with the pen of the Holy Spirit. Recall the words of the Holy Apostle Paul from 2 Corinthians 3. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. Again, what's the purpose of this inscription upon the hearts of humans? What good is an epistle if it's not read? As we seek to be as inspired living letters written upon, inspired by God, we do not try to hide what is inscribed on the tablets of our hearts, but somehow to translate it into an, a dynamic epistle for the world to read. This reminds us of the words spoken early in the ministry of Jesus during his Sermon on the Mount. Remember those words? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It's not out of pride that we desire to see Christ in and through us. It's actually out of love for him and love for others. But that's why we constantly revise and keep ourselves in check so that it's not my voice that I want them to hear. It's not my truth, but it's of Christ and for Him and about Him so that all that hear may be in Him and live with Him. I won't be satisfied until I read something from the Holy Father. So I have a quote from St. Basil this morning as we finish up. Basil says, As the pen is an instrument for writing, 
when the hand of an experienced person moves it to record what is being written, so also the tongue of the just man, when the Holy Spirit moves it, writes the words of eternal life in the hearts of the faithful, dipped not in ink, but in the spirit of the living God. The scribe, therefore, is the Holy Spirit, because he is wise and an apt teacher of all. And the Spirit writes swiftly, because the movement of his mind is swift. The Spirit writes thoughts in us, not on tablets of stone, but on fleshy tablets of the heart. In proportion to the size of the heart, the Spirit writes in hearts more or less, either things evident to all or things more obscure, according to the heart's previous purity. Because of the speed with which the writings have been finished, all the world is filled with the gospel. If each and every, maybe my heart is small, maybe yours, like St. Basil was saying, maybe you just have a small tablet for God to write on. Well, let him write a word on it then. And let us stand one next to one another. And then maybe they'll get a whole sentence. And then we, when we all gather on Sunday, maybe they'll get a paragraph, and that's enough for those around us to hear the proclamation of the word of God. But we have to live it, and we have to trust that he will inscribe upon us that which we need to hold. That truth that we, each and every one of us, uniquely need to bear witness to. I'm always telling people, quality, not quantity. Trust in God. He will enlarge your heart when the time comes. He will do great and wondrous works in the way that He will do them if you trust Him. So my prayer today is this, that we would become listeners, that we would really become listeners to the voice of God, that we would have ears to hear, that we would hear the whisperings of the Holy Spirit, that we would read the inspired texts, and hear what they have to say to us. That we would gain attunement to what He is doing in the world around us. Let us have ears to hear. And let us hear in order to be inspired. And being small yet inspired, let us become living letters of Christ, being written upon by the finger of the Holy Spirit. Our hearts being ever unwinding scrolls written upon in order to reveal the gospel of salvation to man and the sanctification of all creation by the grace of the Holy Spirit. We have seen the true light. We have received the heavenly spirit. We have found the true faith, worshiping the undivided Trinity, for he hath saved us. Amen.